0: all right everybody welcome back to another week of muskies on tap i am your host gus manty we got a super special one probably already seen by the title we're having the very own Jeff Van Remortel of WDH Guide Service and Muskie Academy founder on the podcast here tonight. Uh, we really enjoyed having him on. We talked a lot of good stuff about Muskies, a lot of good stuff about our area here in the north northeast section of Wisconsin. You know, we still got a lot of big fish here to be had. We have a lot of great fishing going on. I definitely agree with him that the direction of our lakes and the fishing has been uh very good overall so before we go any thir- further let me introduce the others here on tonight we got the very own max manty
1: how are you doing tonight max doing really well tonight gus uh a little under the weather again right now i feel like that's been kind of the consistent battle i've been on here over the past few weeks but uh, really fired up after doing that interview with JVR. Um, you know, he's definitely somebody in the musky world that when he speaks, we should listen. He's got a lot of knowledge. Um, and I think this interview, uh, people will find informative um, and entertaining, hopefully. So, yeah, really enjoyed my time with him. Um, I do know that you were fortunate enough to be graced with the presence of a Brian Eckel this weekend. Uh, sounds like you That's guys correct. met halfway and did a little bit of fishing
0: a little bit of scouting new water and, uh, kind of giving it our best shot in the conditions that we had, uh, I was fishing with Brian and his dad and we were graced with freezing rain basically. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, at the, at the cusp of 33, 34 degrees, but it was, you know, cold enough and, uh, our bodies aren't fully acclimated to that super, super cold temps yet. So we were kind of taking off the water early. And uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's also introduce the other Muskies on Tap member here tonight. We got our great pal Brian, best pal, <laughs> best pal. Some could say oh, best thank friend. You,
2: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, happy to be here tonight. Um, yeah, it wasn't an ideal Saturday. I uh, was fishing with Gus, got absolutely tortured by. The soon to be winter here in Wisconsin, forty degrees and rain. Uh, couldn't hardly grip the rod after three hours, so we got off the water, and then we're graced by a uh, car needing a jump start at the launch, so that delayed us another uh, thirty minutes or so of getting out of the freezing cold. Um, so yeah, fun day and all, still fun to be out on the water, but uh, yeah, looking forward to this interview. Um, learned a ton just in a short, you know, hour and a half here with JVR. Um, I mean, he's got endless knowledge on all things musky, so hopefully we'll be able to get him back on for a part two down the road. Cause, uh, you know, I think he's got, he's got a lot to talk about still. And I think all of us for listeners and, and us three in the pod would, would love to hear more from him. So can't wait to get into that.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, I think he dropped a lot of knowledge, even in that and what could say, what someone could say is a short interview, uh, with him. Cause he just, he talks and he talks and it's awesome. Cause everything that comes out of his mouth is just like, I hope you're listening, you know, like take notes, uh, before I just keep rambling about that. Let's just dive right into the interview with JVR himself. All right, on the line, we have Jeff Van Remortel with WDH Guide Service and founder of Muskie Academy. So without further ado, Jeff, you want to say hey to the folks and how you doing tonight?
3: Hey, good guys. Glad, glad to be on and uh, yeah, i looking forward to it. Everything's good here.
0: Fantastic. So if you uh, want to give a quick brief uh, history or rundown on your guide service for those of uh the listeners that do not know who you are which i would think there'd be almost zero but maybe just a quick rundown on uh on where you guide maybe a quick background on you know how you got into guiding or you know something like that something brief
3: yeah i mean uh like most of us started out fishing for muskies as a as a kid who caught one incidentally or saw them incidentally thought that was cool decided to buy bigger and better gear and Continue the chase. That's you know pretty similar story I think for probably most people in the muskie world unless they had somebody that was a super avid fisherman and got them into it early. But I did not have that. My dad and I fished for him a bit growing up, um, but not anything like what we do now. You know more just uh, occasionally between panfish and walleyes and pike and whatever else would bite. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I now I guide. I've been guiding since 2009. Uh, I have my captain's license since 2010. Uh, I guide uh, on the waters of Green Bay in the fall for ducks. As well as some musky trips out there in the summer and then Great Lakes tributaries for Steelhead in the spring, which is uh late March through the you know third week of April, give or take. And then I guide uh muskies, which is probably what I'm best known for, aside from the ducks, I guess. But uh muskies in the Vilas, Oneida Iron and Price County areas. Um and then and then yeah, and then back to and ice fishing as well. And walleye walleyes and multi-species, but mostly mostly muskies during musky season once our musky opens up. And then uh, I'll sneak in a couple of walleye half days here and there uh, with some of my long timers in particular who have been doing that with me for a long time.
1: All right. Well, awesome. So Jeff, um, you know, the last few years I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit better through this Muskie Academy thing. And so um, I think it's a really awesome thing that you're doing and I was kind of hoping, you know, to, to get a little bit of a lowdown this evening on, you know, when did that light bulb idea flash on for you and um you know when did it get started? how have you been enjoying kind of the progression of it and where do you where do you kind of foresee this going? because I know I've personally enjoyed uh, being a part of it It's been you know a cool cool ride.
3: Yeah, I really appreciate that and uh, you know watching guys like yourself and and a ton of the other guys in the group there's plenty of really good anglers in there. Um, one of the things that kind of surprised me, I don't know if it surprised me as much, but when you first come up with the idea, um, just some of the caliber of anglers that we've attracted that have come to that group. You know, I took that as a huge compliment. You know, I, there's a lot of guys that are really good tournament fishermen. There's, I don't know, probably a half dozen different guides in there. Um, some of them contribute and, and others, you know, message privately. And, and, you know, the group, we have the private group as well on top of the of all the videos and in, in the core of the program, which is the uh, you know, um, based on the website there, muskyacademy.com, musky with a Y academy.com is where you can see a, a line of some of those videos. Um, But yeah, the, the thought of it came, uh, it's been about about three, four years now, Uh, a customer of mine, his name is Blair. uh, We had talked about it when we were fishing and I talked about it with another customer of mine, uh, Josh, about writing a book. He's a published author and he had a bestseller for a bass fishing book. He's got two uh, really great books on, um, on Amazon there. I can't, I I can't remember the title offhand, but anyway, his name is Josh Elwine. He did, it was mostly focused on bass and stuff and he fished with me for many, many years. Uh, super good dude but he uh, he's like we had talked about doing one collaboratively and uh then just kind of we just didn't get neither of us had the time he's a busy guy i'm a busy guy and we just kind of talked about it it's like oh if you ever need any help let me know and then it kind of de- it evolved and it's like yeah the book just didn't seem like the way to go because it's just something i can't go back and edit or add to right. and, you know anybody that's you know certainly a generation you know you know your age you're a bit younger than me but like certainly your age or even my age and younger especially the folks that are digital native and going forward you know, the people that over the next 20 years will take up the reins of musky fishing or are just getting in now and will do it for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You know, a lot of those folks are going to know how to you know, use a Facebook page and, uh, and and click on a video link to watch it. So it seemed like more of an appropriate way to go this way. Um, so anyway, yeah, Blair and I had been talking and uh, he's got some background in it uh, from what he does professionally. And uh, he's like, yeah, I ever think about, you know, we were writing a book or something. And then the conversation kind of turned to like a master class type thing. And I was like, you know, I thought about it and I would love to do something like that. And uh, that was pre pandemic. And then, long and the short of it, was, we, we booked the trip. We booked the trip. Um, it was the second or third time he fished with me um, after and during the pandemic when everything was you know, shut down. And obviously, things were on <laughs> 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 the digital side of things picking up. You know, it was really kind of a forced push there. And he's right. like, hey man. He's like, did you ever, you know? It's kind of. I had, a, I had the question on my brain. He had it on his, and that's kind of how it all came about. He's like, did you give any more thought to what we talked about the last time? I was <laughs> like, Dude, I was going to ask you the same thing. I was like, you has got four kids. I had three at the time. I got, well, two with a third on the way at the time, and now I got four. And he's got four. Is, you know, like well, we have time to do this, we kind of, you know, parsed out responsibilities for it and how we wanted to lay it out. And you know, I came up with like the the rubric, the framework of how to break down how I had it in my mind, how I wanted to to put it into basically a syllabus, like a teachable program. Um, for for folks like yourselves or anybody listening to this podcast to learn, you know what I know about musky fishing and how to find them and what they do and what's going on in those lakes uh, throughout the course of a season, and then of course add in a lot of other stuff like you know fishing a Cisco spawn, fishing a sucker spawn, fishing a mayfly hatcher, targeting tigers, or you know any number of other things that you may not hear or see a lot of information about. Uh, in addition to all those seasonal movements and then stuff on the, there's a block on electronics coming in this year. We had. Currently, there's about 230 videos. I think it is somewhere around the 23, 24 hour mark of of mm-hmm. watchable content. In addition to the group, and then we'll add to that continuously annually as well. We've got uh, about 30 or 40 more videos ready to go uh, this year in the off season that'll be added as well. So, I guess that's the that's the long short long version of uh, of how it came to be. And, and watching the ride, like you said, it's been uh, it's been a really cool deal. And this is our this will be our second year. This a movement we live two years ago. I guess it'd be the uh, way to put it. And uh, it's been, uh, it's been great. The feedback's been tremendous and uh, the number of guys that have you know stayed on and our retention rate's been high. A lot of the guys are sticking with the group and staying in there and, and getting a lot out of the program, which man it speaks for itself. You got guys like you guys went in tournaments and certainly I, you know, it's not a way of taking credit for other people's success and the way that you guys still have to go out there and put the pieces together. But, you know, the way you and I have talked before some of the tournaments and other guys too are just, just questions and stuff like that. It's, it's basically think about it like a consulting service on the side of, of uh just like it. In another yeah. way, right? I mean, in the fishing world, that's weird to hear. It framed that way. But if this were any other type of business, that would be like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, that's very much a, a service that's offered in throughout the corporate world, whether it be for, you know, you name it, right? Or even, you know, mechanic doesn't matter. Anything, there's all those major professions that have stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense
1: right and it almost yeah it almost doubles as like the the musky consulting academy i mean i think the two really kind of what it is right i mean, <laughs> in, in way. I mean totally the, the two i think biggest takeaways that i've gotten from it is through like the the individual video lessons it's the breaking down the seasons within the season i think right. you know sometimes people get way too general with okay here's what you do in the spring here's what you do in the summer here's what you do in the fall i think the videos that you put out are really good at like hyper analyzing okay this is the actual there's a few different seasons within this season so that's been i think one huge you know that that has helped tremendously kind of like advance our progression of of musky fishing and then the second one that i think is really cool is like like you were saying the the you know caliber of anglers um and really i mean anyone from starting to guys that have been doing it and guiding like you know you've said that there's some guides in there all can benefit from just like having the community too aspect of it, shooting the shit, um, how'd your weekend go? You know, like we just hooked up with our, a bunch of buddies the other weekend um and had a big rendezvous, you know, a big musky, musky rendezvous. So I think, you know, for me, those have been the two biggest, awesome things that have kind of come out of it.
3: Yeah. That's really great to hear, man. I, and it's really cool. Like you, you touched on a bit of it too, is like some of the camaraderie there with, the number of guys that are in that group that you know, I mean, some of it you see publicly with the postings in, that you see in the private group, but I, you know, I message with a lot of the folks in there privately too. That just message, you know, the Muskie Academy club privately, just with a question or whatever, and they'll say, "Oh, I fished with so and so this past weekend or whatever." How many of those guys have networked and helped out, or and as you guys have seen in some of those posts, you know, hey, I'm going to the, you know, such and such area this weekend. Has anybody been out there or something? So sometimes you get that like on the ground feedback, or. You know, you'll see somebody at a PM center or whatever too, and they're, you know, helping each other out. It's, it's really cool. I, uh, to see that kind of community build and that bond build with guys within the group, it's nice. Cause there's none of the nonsense, not that there's plenty of public places to comment and ask questions and stuff. But when you get into a system like this, where it's behind a wall and you eliminated 100% of the nonsense and everybody in there is there for the right reasons.
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: I agree with that. As the, community member of that it's amazing that private uh facebook group chat and another thing i was going to add with the videos max is saying like you know hyper analyzing each individual season within the season is that one thing i also like about those videos is that you kind of give a rundown on many different scenarios based on the time of year whether that be lake choice the biggest thing for me it's like you know pre-storm this time of year cold front this time of year a heat up this time of year you know all that stuff on like what to do and that's definitely helped a bunch and the reassurance of you know messaging you it's like hey does this sound good like a good idea and you're just like yep go for it you know that just gives me the extra confidence on uh on what i'm about to do
3: well i think there's a lot to be said for you know whenever you can talk to somebody that does anything literally seven days a week and especially when you start having done that for year after year after year and done it successfully i don't care if you're a a, a musky fisherman a mechanic uh, whatever you are whatever you do if you do anything that much and you're halfway decent at what you do you're going to have insight to something especially something as dynamic and changing as like the environment and the effects on a living creature that we can't really necessarily see what they're doing you know at least deer and other stuff are above the ground right you can put up trail cameras you can kind of get a fill muskies are just down there right we see them on our electronics you get them and stuff but there's really a lot of that stuff that it goes to like what you just said was confidence and i think giving people that confidence to know that what they're doing is the right thing it's just that it doesn't work 24 7 you have to be there at the right time and sometimes mm-hmm. you, you just can't write on the spot if you weren't there at the right time and then that seasonal progression also it in with like you said lake choice because again the answer oh throw small bucktails in the springs like well is that the same thing you want to do in a flow edge versus a cisco based lake with trout in it you know is that is that really the same thing am i really throwing in three feet of water on fence lake like is that really my appropriate strategy is that really the best (laughs) way or is that maybe more something that might work on a nice shallow portion of the eagle river chain better right is there it's just one of those things where like you said it's too general and i do like to incorporate some of the lessons i've learned from traveling and fishing other places too i mean you work that in there and and at the end of the day muskies are muskies but there's definitely differences between you know the fish you find um on the field or in Minnesota waters or, or Great Lakes waters or, 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 you know, Kentucky or anywhere else. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that still correlate. Um, so it's really cool to see it work across so many different areas.
1: Well, perfect. Well, um, let's get into some fish talk here. Uh, we well, want to yeah. know, you know, kind of how how the 2023 season went for you. Any, I guess, two-part question. Any Anything interesting you took away from this year as a whole, um, just that, you know, from being on the <laughs> water as much as you said. Uh, anything interesting from this year? And also, you know, throw some highlights at us. You know, we saw some pretty nice pictures come out of your boat this, uh, from this year. So, you know, feel free to touch on those as well.
3: Yeah, we we had a tremendous year. Um, it was a good year. I, I did boat. Uh, we put the most muskies I've ever had in the boat this year. We boated uh, 156 muskies this year. Um, my previous best was 154 from about, I don't know, it was about five years ago. Um, the average is right around 130 on average. And that's most of those are northern Wisconsin. This year I spent a little more time on Green Bay. Uh, we did exceptionally well out there as well. Uh, caught a lot of nice fish and some really big ones out there too. Um, so it was a nice mix up there. I mean, I'm from Green Bay. I've, I've fished Green Bay since I was three years old. I've guided ducks out there um, for a long time. And so it's nice to be able to mix that up. And I've been guiding out there for most of these for the last several years, quite a few years actually now. And uh, that was. it's just nice to, to to apply and see it come come to fruition out there as well. Um, but yeah, some of the highlights and we had some really nice tigers this year, a couple of mid 40 plus inch tigers. I did catch, uh, man, we had, I caught the 50 inch with my son. That was probably my highlight of the season. I mean, we did get, I did get, I did get a PB. I haven't posted any, a lot of those pictures yet, but I did get a a really, really big one on the bay. That was my new PB is a a, a 55 by huge. (laughs) Holy shit! Legit legit (laughs) 50 pound class fish. Um, (laughs) Those pictures will make it up eventually when I have some time. We, The longest in my boat for the year was a 56 that was caught by a, a customer of mine, a young, young man named Mason. He got a, he got a super tanker with me. We had, we landed seven fish that day, oh um, had, um, three over 50. And that was the 56 was the largest. Um,
2: and, uh, what added up for who, that weather it,
3: day. It, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. His buddy who had never monkey fish also got a 52 and um, <laughs> oh so my it, God. So yeah, I think, Yeah, and his his previous personal best was a 38 that he caught with me. We tripled one day up north. He had caught I think five muskies in his career prior to that 56. So that was a that was pretty incredible. I crushed him in the in the figure eight on a bucktail, pandemonium, uh, right at his toes, man. It's one of those things. He's like, oh, here's one. He looks down. I look down. I see the splash, and I just went for the net, but what I wouldn't give to have that vision burned into my memory of like actually seeing that fish because he watched it it was right at his toes it came up and in the first turn just absolutely crushed him oh yeah well so that was uh that was pretty special that was uh um pretty incredible fish and in memory as well and then like I said that 50 inch up north with my son that was pretty cool um he just randomly <laughs> we had I had the day off with family and it was kind of cloudy and muggy and moon everything was right, it's perfect conditions and He's like daddy. He's like, Those are good fishing clouds. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. He's like, he's never once in his life told me he wanted to go musky fishing. He talks about muskies all the time, especially tiger muskies. He's all over that. But he uh he just goes, We should go musky fishing. I'm like,
2: oh, oh uh,
1: yeah,
3: all right, let's so go, no man. More. All right, you want to go He's like, We daddy 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 Oliver time, daddy Oliver time, or whatever he said, daddy I am like, All right, I asked Gwen if you want to go. And she's like, No, she was busy helping mom with some stuff and they had a project going, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a fishing. My wife's like, sounds good, good. And we went out. I just kind of we kind of timed it, went out for us planning to fish for, you know, one or two hours here on moon and hopefully catch a fish, right? Just catch a a 36 or something. Just do something to say, let him see it, you know, I see a muskie. And I lost one about 15 minutes in and he was just devastated. And was like they're moving, buddy. Don't just hold on, we'll go. He's eating a sandwich time, and then I, I ended up sticking that one and I felt that it crushed a mag dog. <laughs> oh and uh oh, yeah man. i caught the mag dog way out on the cat, about two pumps into a cast and it was uh i'm like oh it's a good fish and i got it close to the boat i saw how long it was and i'm like oh man and i walked it around the boat I ended up going around the boat three times with it my net was kind of was kind of hung up a little bit on my on my floor i got like on the handles that go into the compartment so like knobs or not they're not the 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 latches because of how the boats designed and uh, it was just a little bit caught like Oliver oh, can you get the net for duty and he's like yeah he just kind of picked it up and <laughs> the net and, it. and oh man he was losing his mind it was just that's something I'll I'll never forget. In fact I'm gonna have Rick Lax do a replica of that fifty so we can hang it in the house. So oh, yeah those yeah, are some of the highlights awesome. for, for sure for this year you know that was, that was a good year.
0: Was that the yeah. first uh fish that Oliver saw firsthand?
3: That was the first musk he's ever seen firsthand yeah. Oh my god that's Jeez. special I know. And then uh, when we let it go, he was mad that he was, well, oh, daddy, that wasn't the big tiger muskie. He says, I'm like, "Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, man. You know, just, I couldn't help but laugh. Cause I've got, we caught a giant one with uh, one of my customers got a 52 inch tiger back in 2014 and I have a replica of that fish and he does as well. And I've got to hang it at the house. So that's why he's so obsessed with the tiger muskie, I think, cause it's <laughs> like, right there. It's, it's pretty prominent in our house there. So, but yeah, just a cool thing to see the fire lit and a young, young person like that and kind of goes back to that whole teaching thing like you know we mentioned earlier helping guys catch fish i mean when it's your own family it's it's you're, you're somebody that's close to you it's uh super cool i actually had my sister caught her first muskie this year too the first time she ever muskie fished or not she got she got two two for she went like two for four or something like that so she got i didn't put those pictures up here been kind of bad i know i posted a lot of pictures but there's a bunch that didn't make it up there but they will i'll get some up here as soon as i get my feet underneath me for duck season starting. <laughs>
1: Well, it's yeah, a... I mean, you'd you'd be you'd have to go like full time social media guy if you're posting yeah, 150 150 right? some pictures of muskies, um, right? Yeah, I you mean, can only
3: get so much up, you know.
1: Well, I'm sure that'll be a memory he's going to have forever. I mean, is there? Oh, I guess yeah. is there anything you think you could um, attribute to the success this year? Uh, whether just you, good, you know, client. You know, is there anything you could put your finger on why it's been good this year?
3: Well, yeah, so on the, on the topic of, like, what's going on this year, you know, so last year was a really good year for bucktails. Um, I, I kind of had a memory pop up in my face from me. This last year, the year before especially, was, like, just, you know, this year out of the first almost 70 fish in my boat, I think less than five were on bucktails. <laughs> um, you know, now, bucktails are always a great option, right? It just depends how you're fishing. Um, this year, it was definitely more of a rubber bite. And the rubber bite's always been one of my strongest suits for sure. I mean, I, I catch them on everything else, but if I can get away with having my customers rip rubber, I really, really prefer it because you can't really fish it wrong. You don't have to worry as much about boatside fish where we live, you know, northern Wisconsin. We don't get a ton about, you know, it's not Lake of the Woods. You watch watch YouTube, watch you know, your old musky fishing shows, those fish behave a lot differently. Green Bay can be that way to a point. St. Clair, a little bit, you know, you get those fish that come in hot and eat at the boat. Northern Wisconsin, yes, we catch fish on figure eights. Yes, it's so important to do it, but it's not like up there where you'll have more figure eight action in a day on say Lake of the Woods on a good day than you'll have in a month on Northern Wisconsin, right? So a lot of that stuff where you where, where where you where you can eliminate a little bit of that, where the fish eats it before the client has to actually execute and do a perfect figure eight to catch a fish is nice. Uh, and that's one of the reasons like rubber, and, and I shouldn't say just rubber, jerk baits in general, SRJ, SUICS, um, I threw a couple of different stuff this year. I did throw the musky mistress um, there, the bait from Brian Whittle there or Watala there. And that one, uh, I did move some nice fish on that. We did not land anything on it, um, but I did like the action of that one too. It's kind of like about the shape and size a little bit longer than like an SRJ. It's kind of a middle bait dive rise platform, but it's got a lip on the Mm -hmm. front um, and that's got a really nice action to it too. And uh, we did well this year also on, on, we didn't land any big ones. We lost one giant and caught a couple other ones. Um, and and i think it's also attributed again to something a little different that we did find useful was the mini grenade um that was a nice little tool that was a nice little tool for some of those fish over the grass and suspended i mean i I know brad had talked about they're going to make a smaller one because he had the big one the year previous Uh and uh, i knew immediately that that was going to be you know that was going to be a huge tool for me in certain applications right it's not like everything is like anything there's no tool for different jobs Uh, but that was one that helped uh produce a couple extra fish when they Cause just because a fish is out deep i think it's important to remember and it's one of the things we talked about in in some of those videos in the academy but like the, one of the things that i think people forget is like just because a fish is deep doesn't mean it wants to eat rubber just because a fish is shallow doesn't mean it wants to eat a bucktail okay so if you can present those different pipes which is why snapping rubber over the weeds can work really well um now it's more of a common practice a lot of guys do it but you know 10 12 13 years ago when we started doing that and there's a handful of other guys that were doing it for sure as well. And winning tournaments, you know, like Mark Lejewski's, you know, other people that just – they were kind of doing it beforehand because they were some of the first guys to get their hands on it, quite frankly, and, and really tune in that technique. Um, and that's where we picked it up too, is fishing tournaments. You know, a lot of the people from my generation fix it. Like, oh, okay, this is yeah, – you don't just throw in deep water. You don't give it a slow pull like they do in Minnesota, right? Because all you heard about was throw rubber in the fall, right? That's when it's good. I still right. get people that I'm like, no, man, opening day, you're crushing fish if you're doing it right. Or if the <laughs> conditions are, right. again. but mm-hmm. remember that just because the fish is in a certain portion of the lake does not mean that it wants to eat, you know, bait that might be the most conducive to throwing in that area. The same way that they don't always want to eat top water when you're throwing it over the weeds. Right. A little better on a gloomy day versus a high crest, clear cloudless day. It's the same thing for a switch between say a jerk bait and rubber or a uh, rubber and blades um, and, and when you have those little tools that have it just that extra bit dialed in, it can really help you out as an angler.
2: That's great. I, I uh, kind of want to get into some more fall specific questions. I know you've been duck hunting a lot, but um, just kind of want to get into what you've noticed over the years with like big fish and small fish and their like effect uh, from turnover. So like the small fish tending to cling to those summer spots a little bit longer than the larger fish, are the larger fish a little bit more sensitive once that water temperature starts dropping? Um, what have you noticed with that?
3: Um, that's a good question. I think the answer, I mean, it's obviously it's a, a real big gray area. I think the biggest thing to focus on just like any time of year, turnover is just another one of those periods that almost equate it to something like the spawn. Um, in the way that it's a very distinct, very defined, very seasonal you know, very identifiable period that happens in these fish's life cycle on their annual, you know, on their annual seasonal cycle, maybe the life cycle, yes, but maybe the annual seasonal cycle. Um, It's a very defining event. There's always, almost always a good window leading up to turnover, especially in the days, you know, the one to three days before a lake actually flips. There's usually a really good window. Now that can depend on, you know, of course, the weather and the conditions that go around it. Um, If you have conditions that are leading up to it that are a bit more favorable, you've got, you know, crisp cold below freezing or low 30 mid 30 degree nights with a nice hard frost and then some sunny skies during the day but a high in the you know mid 40s or something And that's what you've got you know and it drops those water temperatures quickly but relatively steady, you know um, sequentially not 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 herky jerky not hot than warm hot than warm and you get that nice it's dropping it's dropping it's dropping it's dropping and then into turnover then it finishes up its process and then it clears through uh it's also similar in that respect to the spawn in the way that the fish respond more positively in a year where the spawn happens, you know, stable warming, stable warming, stable warming, you know, the water temperature hits their time. They can get through um, that, that spawning cycle, again, another major event in their annual um, annual cycle, and then they're done with it, and then they can get on to the next stage, right? It's the same thing with the turnover. The better and the more stable and the more quickly and, and smoothly and seamlessly that you get through the turnover, typically the better the windows tend to be. Uh, now, that's going to vary by lake type. You know, right now, for example, we get a warm up like this. This is where things start to get a little squirrely and put a wrench in the gears for a lot of people. Um, and having those those little observations, like you know, people who are on the water every day, and and even the feedback in that group, you know, just from guys that are in different areas, helps. And you get that that insight into, oh, hey, I went to a bigger lake today. You know, say it's Big Arbor Vita. I don't know for a nice, popular area, area lake, right? A you know, thousand acres, max depth of mid 30 feet, and I uh, went out there didn't seem like it was done turning over yet went to a little Arborvita, which is significantly smaller and it was through turnover completely and, and i caught fish you know stuff like that where but then if it's in that, so that uh, transitory transitional state of in the process of turnover and then you get now it's going to be 65 degrees for a day or three or whatever you know then things get paused and it's still going to be tough fishing because it's still in limbo um and then in the lakes that are already through it are going they'll slow down gradually if the water ever starts to rise in temperature significantly typically it'll put a it'll definitely be a hindrance to the bite. But again, the key is the nice, smooth transition. And if you don't get that, then you really have to be careful. And the big thing on the other side of the turnover, once it completes, uh, it's a great time for both a big window and a big fish. Um, you have about big fish versus smaller fish, I would say in both of those cases, a window is a window. You'll see bigger fish come on the feed at different times, typically correlating with you know better weather, uh, moon phase perhaps. It might not even be just you know full moon or new moon. It might be first quarter, last quarter stuff of that nature like a good window is a good opportunity for a big fish especially in the fall because the windows are tight i don't necessarily notice a huge correlation between like a good time to catch little fish versus big fish like when the fish are feeding the fish are feeding and that's i guess you know for size you you just want to be on a good spot with a big fish when the window opens up because the fall more time more more so than any other time of year those windows are acute and if you're not on the water for that 45 minutes to two hours or surrounding those windows it's uh sometimes you might as well just stay home or go out for the next window you know if you have there'll be dead sea in between um right and, and it's more so that way than any other time of year.
2: yeah it it seems like it's been i mean the last couple of weekends that i've fished been super tight windows and the fish we've had a big problem with a lot of fish liking the looks of our suckers but not eating them um i don't it could be you know kind of too close to turnover and the fish are a little loopy from all the water change but Do you have any secrets as to how to get these stubborn fish to actually commit to a sucker?
3: Well, and a lot of times it depends what kind of lake you're fishing. So what kind of lakes have you been fishing when you've been having that happen?
2: What is like a chain? um...
3: Yeah. So like say Eagle river chain for the sake of argument, something like that. Okay. So that should be like post turnover, you know, that should be a post turnover. I'd say right now, all those lakes would be turned over. Has anybody been out there? Can anybody confirm that? I would say that they're turned over
0: sure um they're close i was just out today um it's a little dirty yet on some of the the larger ones but uh the okay. smaller ones are definitely definitely what did,
3: you, what did you have for water temp
0: um about 49
3: yeah it should be done i would say
0: it, uh, might, it be might be done still
3: be flipping but... but yeah right it still might need to stabilize or whatnot but but yeah if you're if you when you start to get to that sub 50 degree temperature range especially if it's that way for a while sometimes when the lake turns it'll it'll actually warm back up for a little bit it'll get down to that 54 52 51 and then if it starts to flip it all depends again where you're located what kind of lake you're on you know but as a general rule it, it'll you know then it'll kind of flip that water comes up because the obviously the temperatures change you know it gets warmer, colder up top than uh, than down below and the density change it has to flip and it's a, more of a process obviously it's not a, an immediate you know push the button and it happens but sometimes that warmer water will come up like i've literally been on a lake and gone back the next day and it was overnight and it was like two two three degrees warmer than it was yesterday evening it's like well you know it was 45 degrees last night i don't know how the water warmed up two degrees but you know it's just and then you immediately <laughs> know that you're on the wrong water and you're like oh yeah I'm the, okay well, let's get out of here um but uh yeah so the, around the turnover a lot of times when you're getting those fish that are following a lot of it's just a window thing um, and as things, as things progress and get, uh, there's usually a good sucker bite, you know, leading right up to turnover. I'll often see, you know, typically more fish will still come on casted baits, probably because you're just covering more water. Again, depends how you're presenting and what you're doing. Um, when I'm speaking of sucker fishing in my, and, you know, in, in, in the way I'm describing it, when I say, you know, this is how I'm, I'm sucker fishing, I'm getting fish. I'm always giving the preference to casting um, just because of how I'm running my trips. I'm not talking about like late fall when it's a high of 28 degrees and you're, you're sitting there with, you know, several suckers out, you're just position fishing over cribs or deeper breaks and like that. I'm talking more, you're casting, you got one, two, three guys casting, and you got a, a, a sucker off the back of the boat trying to pick up those, those fish that follow and or position fishing simultaneously and hitting cribs or connecting the dots on the way. Um, so in that respect, some days they just like suckers more than others. Typically, a cooling trend is a good time for that to trigger and be better. Does that, does that make
2: sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, all right. So you kind of opened up the door for a a late fall question. So this one's a little bit selfish. So I I apologize to anyone that this this (laughs) doesn't apply to, but I, it's been an enigma for me. It's something I want to get better at and learn more about. Um, and it's chasing after that, like super tanker, fat, Northern Wisconsin, you know, late, November, middle November muskie on like a big clear system. It's something Gus and I started to tap into last year, last few years, I should say. Um, Some days failed completely. Other days have gone well. Um, But from your kind of what's what's your opinion on that? You know, what what's an effective way to fish like a deep, clear Cisco base lake in the late fall when you're you're chasing after that, you know, 35, 40 pound fish.
3: Well, it's a great question. Um, it really depends how the lake lays and what lake you're talking about. You have to consider when you're talking about those really big lakes, especially, and we'll, we're, we're talking like our area, right? Like Miles yeah. County area. Mm-hmm. For right, those yeah. not it. And it, it does apply. You can apply the same, same techniques and the same knowledge to you know, your Lake Geneva's or, or Elkhart or anything deep and clear down in southern Wisconsin or, or anywhere else for that matter, in my opinion. but um, One of the things you want to key in on there is the foot movements in the fall. Um, probably the best time of year Without question, I would say one of the best times of year to go after that true top ender is in those systems is the Cisco spawn. Um, It can be anywhere from the very end of October to the first week or two in November, depending on what you've got for a cooling trend and water temps. Typically that low 40 degree range, you know, 42 to 45 degree range is about when that gets going. Um, That's the same that can, you know, you could even translate that over to something like Green Bay when the whitefish show up to spawn and or ciscos or anything else that they're eating out there when you get that migration of of fish um you'll get a push of fish that come up to do a certain thing to spawn and you'll get a fish that do a certain thing to feed um mm-hmm. and and you have those larger predator fish following them at all times you know a good example of that in, in you know late fall I know i'll kind of expand on it here but like the late fall your good example that's gonna do cisco spawn in lakes that don't have the ciscos a really really good time to catch some of the biggest fish in the system is when the perch move shallow in september so that's kind of like the same thing, another another migratory thing that's going on. You get a lot of these perch that come out of the mud, they slide up into the standing weeds. You know, there are a lot of big fish that will follow them in there that have been yeah. using the open mud flats. It's the same thing with the ciscos. Um, you get those fish that have been kind of roaming the basins and following them. So, again, it makes them targetable. You find the spots where the ciscos are spawning in, on, and around. The windows can be extremely tight, but that is probably the best time, what hands down, to target the biggest fish in the system effectively.
1: And so when you're looking at the Cisco spawn, I mean, and when I'm talking about trying to fish it effectively, you know, when Gus and I tried it, you know, we were, we were hanging suckers, we were jigging, we were casting, um, when we could, it was pretty cold when we, when we've done it the last right. few times, the sucker fishing was really slow. Um, do you think you could attribute that to the fact that those fish are, kind of like just gorging themselves on these ciscos that are pushing up and would it be more effective to kind of just cast your you know until your hands fall off um and and trying to you know kind of figure out uh, where these ciscos are spawning and target those areas like just kind of working you know your typical mag dogs down the break like say you know they're coming up to spawn by like a big shallow rock reef or something
2: yep. you just
1: Targeting that mag dogs, working it down the break, do it over and over and over until you finally get one to eat. Um, or do you think hanging suckers and everything is still an effective way to to target those fish during a Cisco spawn? Anytime that
3: you're anytime that you're fishing um, a, a a large top end fish, regardless of the time of year, but especially in the fall, the windows are gonna be tight. So you can't get discouraged if you have four, five, six hours and nothing. Um, because when it goes, you might get three of them in 45 minutes and they might all be nice, or one might be big and and the others, you know, when it goes, it goes. Another thing to consider there is, you know, trolling is a super effective option. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm the expert and have trolled, you know, a hundred hours, two hundred hours of Cisco spawn lakes. It's not really, you know, by that time of year, I'm getting done with it. I've got a little experience with it, I've fished it, I've casted it during that time of year, but it's not something that I've been able to do a ton of because by the time it gets to you know the middle of November. I'm, I'm duck hunting, so I am off the water at that time. Um, however, one of the better ways to target them during that time frame, the live bait thing can work. I think part of it, though, is when they are focused on those ciscos, I do think they, I do, and I've heard other people that do it a lot say the same thing. I think I've, you know, talked with Jake Smith and other people that that do uh, focus on that time of year very heavily, and they've all said, you know, the same thing as far as like the suckers, they lose a little bit of their effectiveness certainly when they're surrounded by ciscos. I think it's more of a match the hatch thing too. Those fish are keying in on those ciscos. They really like to eat them. They're vulnerable. And one, they're getting full bellies. That's definitely a part of it. Two, um, they're also they're also just not eating tuckers, right? Like that's not really what they're there to get. It's not what they're keyed in on. It's not to say they won't eat one. If you don't have an option, certainly run that. One of the things I would recommend going and trying, if you're able to find them, you know, Kurtz Island in particular, that I can think of, I can't think of anywhere else that's carried them. But if you can go and pick up some trout to run bait Um, if you can run those if you can if you can run those instead of the suckers in that late season that time of year uh i think your effectiveness goes way up if you have a way of netting some of those suckers while they're spawning or something some of those ciscos while they're spawning and rigging those as live bait as well um using some of the smaller quick strike rigs you can achieve that you might have to make your own depending on what size of ciscos you're getting um, but running ciscos as live bait uh, and doing that, if you're able to get live ciscos, those fish are going to smash them. That's a much better way to do it um, than running the stalkers. But there again comes the, you know, you got to make sure that you're catching those ciscos from that body of water that you're right. using them on. Make sure that you're not mm-hmm. transporting them. make You know, so you do have to follow the rules and you've got some uh, additional, additional hurdles there. But if you can get live ciscos, that's going to work good. The shortcut to that, the hack is if some of the bait shops carrying trout, have it run those instead. They're, you know, that time of year the water temps in the in the forties, those chart are pretty hardy in that water temperature. They won't last as long as a sucker, but they're pretty they're still pretty solid and they've got a much more uh similar shape and smell and and, and stuff to those uh to the Cisco's than the suckers do.
1: And I just got really excited to go fishing in the <laughs>
3: water. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah also consider also consider making me, you know, you know if you're a guy to you know, throw a lot of black rubber or whatever else Don't be afraid to throw a lot more white, a lot more Cisco patterns that time of year. There's nothing wrong with throwing a black Medusa or or, or whatever. That's still going to work fine. But don't be afraid. You will have a higher percentage. um, I feel like you'll have a higher success rate using, again, that match the hatch technique, at least on our fish in northern Wisconsin. You get over to places like Minnesota where fish like some of the gaudier colors. uh, Sometimes they're using some really funky colors in some really clear water and getting smashed on it. That I do feel is a trait that leecher's have more so than our fish in Northern Wisconsin, but don't be afraid to shift over to more of that all white, Cisco, you know, your bulldogs, your swim baits. Swim baits are another great option for that time of year, by the way, as well. Um, And again, trolling, trolling those breaks, especially on those days when it's miserable and cold, you know, that, that, as that water temperature sinks into that, you know, that mid 40 degree range and that kind of that key temperature, you're gonna, you're gonna get some really good feeding windows and really good opportunities of big fish, even if they are short and intense. Um, but to, to prolong your time on the water trolling is a really good way um, to do that. And you're going to be able to watch your graph and, and cover some water and, you know, hopefully see some fish on your side image or whatever else. And and you would locate where those schools of ciscos are because a lot of it, I mean, for the most part, you're, you're always learning, excuse me, you're always learning new water. Uh, and that's a really great way to do it between windows uh, and add to your knowledge base while simultaneously getting a chance at one of those big fish.
1: Gotcha. Well, speaking of big fish, um, something we do like to talk to about, with especially guys that have you know been around the block like yourself up in the Vilas and United County area. I think people like hearing about it too, because I think sometimes we get a little bit, um, you know, not, not I think annoyed is the wrong word, but I think we get labeled as, you know, the area of the thirty six incher, which I, I don't, you know, obviously, yes, there's a lot of number lakes and there's a lot of, you know, fish on the quote unquote, smaller side from what we're consistently seeing on social media these days. Um, but I feel like violence and County still, I mean, as you've said, you know, consistently kick out big fish every year. Um, so I'd be really curious to ask you, you know, have you, obviously you've caught the the 52 inch tiger. Um, I'd be one curious to know if that was a fish you knew existed there and you were kind of targeting that one for a bit. And then two, have you seen any other, you know, behemoth size muskies up in that range? Um, you know, that maybe you haven't been able to get your hands on quite yet. And have still kind of haunted you a little bit.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of them over the years. Um, you know, fish, you know, fish in particular, there's always those upper 40 inch fish, which are, you know, that's kind of what you're targeting It's It's very much an apples to apples thing. You know, people going to a certain place, there's trade-offs, right? Northern Wisconsin, are you going to go up north and catch a 56 or 58 inch muskie? No, you're not. They're really, they're just not there. Okay. I mean, maybe, maybe there's one, right. But like, you know, Northern Wisconsin, a 57, 58, it's not what's there. Now Mm -hmm. that being, our fish can put on substantial amounts of weight. There's been some very big fish caught. Um, uh, I think you know the one in particular, like the Steve White, a client of Steve Herbeck's back in the day. It was on the cover of the Vail's County Plat Book back in the '90s. They got one that was barely 50 inches, and it was I think 47 pounds. I think it was like 50 and a quarter inches and 47 pounds. There's been a number of those type of fish caught. That's probably the most well known that I can say offhand of you know from from historically speaking. Where it's just like ultra short. Also, of course, you had Tom Gelb getting those couple big fish. Um, you know you're talking a 52 and change 53 i think the one was 53 and a quarter 53 and a half which is a substantial fish that's a huge fish um and and no matter just by length right but then when you add in the fact that the girth was pushing 30 inches and it weighed um you know it's over 50 pounds i mean good that's god but, yeah. yeah right that's a giant fish i mean i know everybody's real Jeez. familiar with those um but there's a couple of real big ones there's one um uh, i don't know if i want to say who, who caught it or not because i don't want to make it sound like it's a you know, whatever, but anyway, long story short, there was a really big one caught. Um, it was
2: 52,
3: I want to say 52 by 26 or so, uh, about three or four years ago, um, caught up north. And I knew the guys that caught it, and I actually happened to have been duck hunting with them about the week before, the week and a half before they caught it. And uh, I saw the fish, and I recognized the color pattern on the fish because that lake has a very distinct coloring on the fish. It's just not a lot of lakes where they look like that, especially now when they're that big. And I had seen this fish in particular, i had a customer raise it on uh number seven marvin in the spring and we raised it in september again on a dr evil um the one time it's soy it kind of boiled at the dr evil didn't get hooks the other time it just came in you know pretty feisty but didn't eat on the on the marvin in june and uh, i got a good look at it both times like god that's a big one you know and it was kind of, <laughs> like i know it was i know it was like 50 you know but i have a hard time up north saying that you know was it 49 and three quarters was it 50 and a half you know it's hard up by us just because 50, but that one was when you look at it, you go, Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely up there. Yeah. And then the picture get posted in in November, is like you know, third week of November, I think they caught it. Uh and uh I messaged him, I said, Hey, congrats on the fish. And I was like, If you don't mind my asking, I asked if it was on of you know, such and such lake. And he's like, No, you know, no, it was on a other sort of lake. I was like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And like a couple hours later, he messaged me like, "Dude, how'd you know that?" He's like, "I'm sorry, I can't look. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah," and I was like, "Yeah, you caught it on the point off the north. Did you catch it on the point off the north shore?" It was like a weed bar, a rock bar that comes out, or a weed bar that comes out turns to rocks and ends on a sand tip. And I was like, "That's where we saw it both times." He's like, "Yeah, dude, that's exactly where it was." You know, <laughs> 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 you did know, so a fish like that. It's and it was it was humongous. I don't remember what they ate, what it would it probably was. You know, obviously a mid forty pound plus fish. I don't think they weighed it, but. Um, you know, just a truly tremendous fish, and, and those fish are definitely out there. I mean, I can, you know, tell stories of another 6, 8, 10 of them over the years that were were around that, you know, people knew about, um, and, that, and that got caught. But, yeah, the, the, the 50-inch fish, I would say, you know, our northern Wisconsin fishing is about as good as it's probably ever been. I, I know there's a lot of people who would argue with that. <clears throat> Maybe let me re- rephrase that. Our, our lakes are in about as good a shape as they've ever been, just because people aren't catching fish um doesn't mean they're not there you know again when you spend all day staring at a graph and stuff there's you know a lot they all oh, like has no fish and it's like mm, i don't know i saw 14 of my graph today i'm pretty sure they're here <laughs> you know and, and then, you know it, it's just even in a numbers like it just doesn't mean they're always going to eat and we don't have a lot of the stuff on the market anymore where it's like things are brand new that just absolutely catch fish you know like when dr evils first came out you know people have heard me talk about this before and i think it's just but it's a very very valid point You know, when bulldogs first came out, when medusas first came out, when just those, you know, double tens first came out. Just those true lure classes that just caught fish with impunity when fish had never seen them before. And they're still phenomenal baits, but that effect of just, you know, you go out there, talk to the guys at the launch. Yeah, I threw my bucktail, caught nothing in eight hours. You go out there ripping rubber, you know, ripping pounders or big, you know, the old China medusas and go four for eight in an hour and a half at moon. Like you know, I was like, yeah, okay, you didn't catch anything. Perfect, you know, you know you're gonna slay. You know you're gonna. And and those days are just kind of, they're not gone in the way that you can't ever do it again. But the consistency of just knowing you're gonna go out and just mash uh, like that, because those fish had no idea, is done. Because nobody, nobody stinks anymore. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, You know, there's a lot of good information out there. Electronics get better. People, the information in the in the everything's just travels so fast. And I see this with everything, right? It's not just steelhead. It's not just uh, muskies. It's steelhead. It's it's walleyes. It's nobody sucks anymore. You know what I mean? Everybody's just good enough <laughs> to get on the right day. You know? <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess there's that. But I do think our waters carry as nice or nicer fish than they have historically, uh, on average. I mean, there's certainly exceptions to that on an individual system basis. Yes, absolutely. But overall, our average catch rates up north are as good or better than they've ever been. Like the average length in my bullet for northern Wisconsin muskies is right about thirty-seven inches, which I think it's like I think it was like thirty-seven point one the last time I looked at it. I haven't done it for like the last year or two, but that's out of, you know, fourteen hundred plus muskies out of that area. Um, in the years previous to the last season or two. And uh I, I think that's pretty, you know, it lines up with the DNR. I think their average length for their survey fish is like thirty-six and change as well. So but I mean to average that, it definitely was not that way historically, where people talk about back in the day there was more. It's like, well yeah, but the size limit was 28, and then it was 30, and they are stocking a lot of these lakes with an excess number of fish uh, because harvest was such a big thing. So you didn't really have that true top end showing itself in the way that it might manifest now, even if even if more, you know, quote-unquote big fish are caught back in the day. Most of them were still a lot of the same length as we're seeing today. It's just that they killed them and weighed them. So we, it's a little bit not apples to apples anymore for the way that we currently measure fish in our area. Um, not to say that there weren't 50 inches caught back, then; there absolutely are, but this last year, or two or three it seems like the last couple of years, just, you notice you hear about more and more 50s caught and more and more 50s from like reputable sources too. There's always the guy that comes up. and Right. Yeah, I got 50, <laughs> like, cause if I can get one a year, I'm pretty happy. I'm not every day.
1: You know? right yeah no that and that that's a pretty pretty legit distinction between what a legit 50 is and what a you know hearsay 50 is um
2: oh, and right,
3: it's all, always a 50 47 or bigger looks right. good to pick you up
2: 50 all day like, okay.
3: yeah and that's fine. if people want to say that you know especially your average guy who catches one five six a year and that's his biggest claim to fame he caught a 48 wants to call it a 50 whatever dude you know that's they fine are. but but on yeah. a on a true legitimate like looking at the numbers, looking at like what I've seen in my boat, what I see for average sizes, what I see for average size from, you know, tournament catches and all this other information that's out there and is reliable and solid. I think our fishery is in great shape. And I do still think Northern Wisconsin is a great place to come catch a big fish. Uh, And the other thing we do have going for us too is we do have some tremendously big hybrids too. So that's not something that you get a lot of other places, Uh, even, you know, in Canada, there's some places that have them. Yeah. Do they get caught? elsewhere? but yes, but Northern Wisconsin, we are lucky to have that and of course we've got the the variety of lakes that we have up there that really helps keep things fresh so um yeah there's still some real big ones up there and it's it's a great place to be I really wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: I mean, um, it's, it's my favorite place to be. I know um, that sentiment's the same for all three of us. I mean, that's, we try to, you know, rep, rep the area hard with this podcast. I mean, we, we love fishing up there and it's good to hear that it's in good hands right now. And it sounds like the future's, um, you know, going in the right direction, but I, you, you, you touched on it. I do want to pivot real quick. Cause I'm sitting here staring at your uh, frozen screen. You're holding a big ass trophy,
2: from a tournament
1: um yeah I, I kind of want to touch on because it's something that Gus and I have really gotten into Brian and I dabbled with it a little bit um you know over the past years and it's something we've loved to do but tournament fishing uh my question to you is do you miss it because <laughs> I know you yeah, went on a good I little do. tear back in the day and we've
2: we've yeah, exchanged some good
1: messages it. you know I mean what uh would you ever make a comeback you know if you ever had the time in the future you know I guess just kind of touch on some of your your past history in tournament, tournament fishing.
3: Yeah, the the biggest one for sure. We placed in quite a few tournaments and won one here and there. But the biggest one, the one in that in that frozen screen picture, is that was the national championship muskie open the, or the alliance tournament as people call it. Um, that was up in uh, that's the one out of Eagle River, the one that's on. I think there's fifty two lakes and there, are seven lake bodies. Um, that was my biggest. That's because that's an individual tournament. Uh, you can catch you know each individual angler registers their own fish um i know there's a lot of some boats maybe all registered under same person or you know there's a lot of talk of that yeah, over the years and that's whatever but but we won it i fished it with my good buddy chris and i won that i had six fish he had two um i think we hooked 15 and we landed eight total and uh that that six fish record still stands uh from 2012 that's the most that we're ever caught in that tournament uh when i won it in 2012 and that's one that's always been a nice feather in the cap. I, I was the guest speaker at that tournament for a number of years there to give like the, the update on the current conditions and stuff like that, uh, for all the folks heading out. And, uh, that's a, it's a tremendously well-run event and and it's the largest muskie tournament in the world. I think the year I fished, it was right around 1200 people and it's kind of bounced back and forth between 1100 and 1300 people every year on an annual basis. So really a tremendous uh, event. It's a really fun one to go fish. If you're looking to kind of see how tournament fishing works out, you know, learning to fish in a pressure situation, um but the tournament fishing in general the PMTT and you know back in the day the WMT and then there was you know a number of other tournaments um yeah I do miss it and I actually talked about it. I was actually considering uh fishing the PMTT this year depending on what the schedule looks like I do have a partner that we kind of had the agreement if if it ends up being on you know one or two or three lakes that we feel like we'd like to go fish that we'll do it uh and I guess we'll see when that gets announced if we're gonna if we're gonna pull the trigger on that but um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do. Th- I, in, the, in the future at some point here, obviously, I mean, I am a, a father of four kids, uh, so traveling in, in musky tournaments, I mean, let's face it, it's it's great to win some money on the road, but, uh, you know, unless you win, it's really hard to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, 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 consistently, to consistently and always take first place for a financial gain is tough. <laughs> it's, really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough thing to do. I don't care who you are. You know, there's certainly some guys out there that have done really well, and that's awesome really speaks to their angling ability you know you guys you guys being included in that after your show this year of just being consistent and being good but um you know it's not like the bass or the walleye world where hey first place is 100 grand or something or 80 grand it's like yeah that that can pay the bills for a little bit and right. um, you know it's really just tough to to go out and justify especially as a guide with full books and you get so many repeat customers that you kind of hate the you know kind of and running into it now even where i've kind of got those weekends of what i feel like the dates will be for the pntt i've had a couple guys try to book them i'm like well, just wait. <laughs> I'll make a note, and if I decide I'm not fishing, I'll message you. You'll be the first one, type thing. So, you know, these guys become your friends too, and it's hard to kind of turn your back on that. But um and leave to go do something else. But uh, the long and the short of it, yeah, man, I miss it, and it's, it's a great game to be on, especially if you're a young guy and looking to learn. The guys that are in that field, especially you know your Mark Lajeski's and Joey rosansky and Mark Gillich and all the guys that fish, you know they. They go down, look at Madison PMTT this year, man. The good old boys from Wisconsin went down there and just lit it up. You know, it was just, you know, <laughs> you know, there was no, there, you know, there was no forward facing sonar. There was nothing there. They went down there and caught two of the biggest fish that were probably caught uh, on the entire chain this whole season, quite frankly, a 52 and change and a 53 or whatever they had. I mean, those, it was, yes, was, was a nuts. tremendous fish. And they did it early in the year in a very tough bite when nobody else had it figured out, they went down there and they did work. Um, you know, you, you consistently put yourself up against guys like that. You're going to learn, uh, and you're going to learn the hard way too. Like you can come in after you got your butt kicked <laughs> and you go, man, I don't know. And then you go in and you're like, dude, got three today. Like, what do you mean? You know? And, uh, and it's just, uh, it is an absolutely great way to sharpen the skills uh, and, and hone your abilities as an angler. So yeah, I, I fully support the, support the tournament world and hopefully someday I'll get back and get a chance to do it. So, we'll
1: see. There, There's no, no, uh, more humbling feeling than when you're struggling on a pmtt morning on the opening morning and oh. you will open up Facebook and Tim's given an update talking about how teams have already doubled and tripled and you see a picture of some guy holding the 49 <laughs> 50 inch fish and you haven't even seen one yet and you're like oh God
3: so true man yeah. and you know what there's no better feeling than putting a 34 inch in the bag during the tournament <laughs> <laughs> that a that too even going all the way back, I still remember, I was actually winning that one. I mean, it was a long time ago, whatever, but that one in 2012, we went in, and it's a three-day tournament. You come in there, you got all that board. There's a, there's literally, you know, five, six, 700 people that are all there hanging out. They put up all the stuff, and it's like, I'm, I'm in first place, but there's another dude with four fish, and he's fishing in a boat with three dudes, and nobody else has a fish. Like, so I'm fishing against three guys, good chance, you know? And I need to get <laughs> one more. And like, you get out that next morning, went back on a fish that I raised, and I think it nipped at the bait, if I remember right, the night before made like 20 casts on that spot, got one in the bag. I'm like, oh, here it is. But I need one more, you know, and I stuck one more with like 20 minutes to go in the tournament. And it was like, get in the bag. You're like, that should be good. Hopefully it does it, you know, and ended up, the other guy didn't, didn't get any more. Four four fish was a set, but just that feeling, you know, and they were like a 37 and a 39 and three quarters, something like that, inch sure. they weren't big fish, but you've never prayed for a, a 30 or a 34, whatever the cutoff for your tournament inch fish is so hard. <laughs> You're in a yeah. tournament and nothing feels better. There's very few feelings in the world as putting a good fish, especially a big fish or a fishy you know, to put you in the win in the bag during the tournament. And that's for sure a dragon that I would encourage everybody to chase. It's awesome. There's nothing better.
1: I, uh, I could not agree more because all I can say is that when we were on our 17 at the Chippewa flowage, I don't think I've ever prayed so hard for a 31 inch muskie in my entire life. <laughs>
3: Oh, dude. And listening to your podcast after that one, total <laughs> trip time. I loved it. I loved it. I listened, I, I, I
1: listened
3: to it. Oh, dude, it was great. Cause I knew you guys had talked to, you know, with you and Gus so, when you're, were...
1: yeah, I think <laughs> the, I, do
3: it I, was, I was waiting for it, man. It was, it was awesome.
1: I still, I don't think I probably the dumbest slash funniest thing I think I've ever still done on the boat was after Gus boated that fish. The, I think, I think I told this on the podcast, but There was like a group of like three guys, like probably in their thirties, walleye fishing, like real close to us. And, you know, we start screaming like absolute idiots and the guys on the boat next to us started screaming like, and they probably thought we had just caught like a 50 inch muskie because of how nuts we were going. (laughs) And, uh, they like shout over to us. They're like, how big is it? And I'm like 36 inches. (laughs) And they just like, didn't say anything. And they're were, we're probably like, man, they probably think we're absolute idiots. You know, we got the cameras wrong we got the PMPT sticker <laughs> on and we're going crazy over it. You know, they probably have no clue, but I, I could not agree more how um and I'm sure you get that a little bit with guiding. Like, you know, if you're under the gun to put a client on fish, Gus has talked about that a little bit and like you get, you, oh. you figure it out and you feel really good. And, I mean, yeah, like when you, you know, when you put a fish in the net when you're up against some stakes, there's just there's a not too many better feelings than that.
3: No, and, and to your point there, that's that's honestly what keeps me going on like that's what guiding keeps it fresh. Like every day's a tournament, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're not fishing for yourself, you're fishing mm-hmm. for somebody else. It doesn't matter if you caught seven yesterday. The guy in your boat today doesn't care about that. Like you need to you need to do it again today. Yeah, okay, yesterday was good. Today sucks. Weather's garbage. Doesn't matter if it's duck hunting, doesn't matter if it's You know, doesn't matter if it's steelhead, doesn't matter if it's muskies, walleyes. Like, yeah, you did great yesterday. Now you got to do it again. And now you got to do it again. You got to do it again. And (laughs) it's not about, you know, maybe you won't get seven like you did the day before. But if you get one and everybody else got nuts, you know, it's all apples to apples. Like, who's the best? Consistently being the best boat on the water or the best, you know, the best stick on a day after day after day basis is what I strive for. That's the thing. All right. You can, anybody can go out and have a good day, but if you can always have good days or always have like. A, an exceptional day based on the standards of that day. Like you go out some days and you go, dude, if we can get one in the boat today, that's a win. One thirty-six incher, inch especially if it's client ability, whether it's weather, you know, what the fish are up to, combination of everything. You know, if you can just go out and get that, you know, make your goals for the day, kind of always make that little hypothesis on the way out. Like here's what I think is going to happen today. It's what I kind of say in my head. I'm like, well, you know, this is when the window's been hot or I'm kind of running through all that stuff on my way to a lake. I'm like, oh, this lake I expect, hmm, we'll maybe see like four fish. We'll hopefully get one bite. Probably get around moon if we don't get that i'm gonna leave if we see more than that or you know you switch to spots you're just mine's going a mile a minute and you get it all lined up and then you get out there and it, and then you kind of see where it goes and it's all like i said every day it's uh every day is a tournament when you're doing that stuff and as long as you can do good for the day's standards that's great but still nothing sweeter than a tournament fish
1: yeah i, yeah, I agree I no doubt no doubt well i know you got to get up at 3 a.m here uh so we don't want to keep you too much longer Ah, uh, Gus, Brian. Do you guys have have any other questions? Um, you know, we got JVR on the line right now. So if you got any,
2: yeah. How, how much? How much? Uh, how much longer do you want to give us? You have somewhere you're trying to run off to, other than the bed?
3: Um, I got a, I got a few minutes. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, it's fine.
2: I got me. Three minutes. Okay. I I just have a question. Um, kind of going off the the tournament chatter, but for people, you know, this fall going to a new region of Wisconsin or going to a new lake in northern Wisconsin. Um, and it doesn't have to be fall related, just any time of the year, I guess. What What are your like biggest tips into people voyaging out into new water um, and kind of like what they should look for and, you know, how much time should they spend kind of mapping out the lake and, and things like that?
3: So, yeah, you know, venturing into new water, I think my response would probably sound like a lot of other people's, you know, do any, you know, before you even make a decision to go to a lake, make sure it's a good lake. Uh, If there's any stocking records or any any kind of literature, you can look up or lake maps, that kind of stuff. It's always nice to pregame, especially if you got a little time to do it when you're not on the water, you know, whether it's a lunch break at work or you're just bored at home or doing something else or, you know what I mean, kind of make the most of your time off the water uh, so that when you get to the water, you're ready to go. Um, I wouldn't say go as far as, you know, putting in 20 waypoints in your graph and saying this looks like a good spot. This looks like a good spot. I mean, you can, but you just don't want to get cluttered up either. Um, but one of the biggest highs, you know, next to your, you know, your tournament fishing or putting a boat, a fish in the boat for a customer. One of my biggest highs is going to a, a lake that I've never been on, putting in a little scouting time, drive around for two hours or hour, whatever it is. And, uh, and then try to fish through a period and put a fish in the bag. Um, You know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, you know, or did, especially, you know, years ago is like, well, how do you know all these lakes? Like, how do you, how do you you know? I've caught fish out of 121 lakes in Wisconsin, you know, and and I and, and uh, muskies out of that, and I've fished certainly more that I didn't you know didn't see a fish or lost a fish, never boated one, um, and I add you know one or two or maybe three to that a year at this point in my life. There's not many lakes in Vilas or Oneida County, and you could probably add Iron and a good chunk of Price and, and several in Forest, um, even down to Lincoln and Langley that I, that I haven't really been on, but certainly Vilas and Oneida. Uh, are my core but there's not a lot of major lakes that you could say something that i don't know quite a bit about and there's probably you know 85 to 90 percent chance that i've launched my boat on if it's any significant size and has a good musky population so you don't know if you don't go uh is the one thing i'll say and you know that's what i would do every day i would just go out this is before i was guiding or before i had you know full books and stuff just like you you know like gus is doing right now i talk to him you know, like every time i talk to gus he's like oh i'm gonna go explore this lake or you're explore this that's the right attitude whether you're, whether you're going to be a guide or you're going to be uh, just a, a really successful muskie angler because you have to go learn the ins and outs of all these lakes and you're going to put together those little milk runs and figure out all oh, this lake's good this time of year or these conditions seem to mean, lend itself better to this lake and then you start putting together like those lake families where okay like by us we got say your green lakes so like oh okay carol's a green lake Pickro's a green lake big arborvite is a green lake little arborvite is a green lake big saint germain is kind of a, is like that same thing but just a bigger scale you know, and those kind of fall into a similar family, whereas you've got like, oh, the Three Lakes chain is stained and the Eagle River chain is a stained, and you got that, you know, that's kind of its own deal. And those types of lakes will fire off a lot of times at the same time. Uh, and you gotta put that all together and you wanna have a nice um diversity to choose from. You wanna have a clear Cisco Lake, you wanna have a, a green lake, you wanna have a brown lake, you wanna have um, you know, the dark but clear, which is it sounds like a weird thing if you you know, but if you're read all listen to the musky cameras because that makes more sense, but you know, and the long and the short of it is all those lakes that fit those different profiles. Um, you figure out kind of what these types of things are. You kind of get it all into a pool and you get those families of like, you know, A, B, C, and D categories. And then you match it up for the conditions of the day and try to go there. The only way you can ever hope to achieve that, um, which is why I don't mind sharing a lot of the stuff I share in there that I think is really good information, just even in these podcasts. Because there's no substitute for time on the water. Even if you do pick the right lake, you still have to know the ins and outs of it. And that's where that homework comes in. Going to that new water, making sure you learn the spots, dropping waypoints on. You know, I still will waypoint out weed edges quite quite frequently. You know, before there was any, you know, way before forward facing sonar, certainly before uh, side image even. Um, when you, what you do, you know, I remember when GPS first came out when I was in tournaments in you know two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Like the GPS was like, oh my god, you got GPS, that's a big thing. And now it's crazy to think that that's an innovation. Like there are dudes crushing tournaments, putting up numbers. That will still win tournaments today by comparison, and they didn't even have a GPS on their boat yet. Like <laughs> that's crazy to think about. Think about all the advancements in the last you know 15 years in yeah. musky fishing, like the baits, the rods, the everything. And a lot of those guys were adept rubber rippers and stuff, and, and throwing you know big blades to the point. But a lot of it was a big rubber bite that did it. But those dudes were out doing it, and they did it on knowledge of the lake. And that's something that translates uh, to now. And that, the only way to get it is to go out and gain it. So. I guess my biggest tip is to to really pay attention to what you're seeing on your graph, pay attention to what you're looking at, and make sure that you go at a time of year that's more conducive. I would say fall is probably the first time to go explore a lake. Um, You know, right now is not the time I'm going to the lake I've never been to, unless I have it like, you know, okay, this lake is all rock. Okay, this lake has cisco, you know, something where I've got something else on my mind. You know, I mean, like, okay, I'm going to go try it down, this Cisco spawn on a lake I haven't been to that I know has a big cisco population, okay? Well, the difference is because I can kind of target those areas where I feel like the Ciscos will spawn. I can easily find them up with my electronics and dial in some of that. But, you know, your best time to go and learn a lake uh, is probably is summer peak. You know, that midsummer that's the best time the weed lines are defined. Everything's there. You can find the weed areas. You can find the rock areas. You can really get out there and learn a lot in a very short amount of time uh, and see what everything looks like when it's at peak. And that's going to give you a really good way – to to dial in the lake for really the rest of the year. Um, So if you're going to explore, like I said, do it when you can, obviously everybody can't fish every day, but summer peak is easily the best time in my opinion, to go out and learn a lake um, and and see how it lays so that you can use it. And you, you know, expound on that and and manipulate and take advantage of that information later on uh, in seasons to come.
0: I completely agree there. I think I want to say maybe in one or two of the last, podcast i did say something like this is not a good time to explore brand new lakes i'm actually uh when i say i'm exploring now at this point i'm kind of going back to the lakes that i went to like once this year and maybe twice and even if i did or didn't have success i'm i'm going back to them just to see them at a different time of year and um i definitely agree with going at summer peak seeing like the weed lines and stuff because there were some places that i have been to only in the spring when the weeds weren't even up. And then I get there during summer peak and I'm like, Oh my God, this place is completely different. And now there's finally muskies everywhere, you know, something like that. But, uh, I'm sure you would agree with this, Jeff, but also going to a lake and like, uh, prior to musky season, say, if you, you know, want a walleye or a bass fish, uh, check it out before the weeds are around and kind of see like what those shallow areas look like. I kinda, I had some benefit, uh, to that this year going out to places in may
3: yeah 100 percent. especially if you're going to be multi-species fishing i think that's one of the other better things you can do especially for yourself as, as a young guide. you know kind of learning these systems and really getting that under your belt is going out there and learning how to catch the walleyes in, in some of your better lakes that are you know even if they're your really good musky lakes and even if they're not but learning to dial in those other species because it makes you fish areas that you might not have fished previously or mm-hmm. or you wouldn't normally fish otherwise because if you're only a musky guy um, you know, anecdotally, I would say that's the same thing that helped me on on somewhere like Green Bay, where I've spent, you know, eight thousand hours of sea service out there with a graph on. Like, just because I'm duck hunting mm-hmm. doesn't mean I didn't look at other stuff. You know what I mean? You yeah. you find things that. Why would anybody go there if they weren't duck? You know what I mean? If they weren't looking, you know, like no muskie fish in go the gold, they're just like, oh, this looks like a good area. I'll try here. You know, but you find things when you're constantly looking around, and that's a humongous system. I and mean, if you can do it out there, you can certainly do it on a 500 acre, a thousand acre lake in Northern Wisconsin. So. Being there for different reasons is something that makes you a better angler and it's going to, it's going to translate into success.
0: Yeah. I I need to get better at that for sure. And get a little more multi-species under my belt. Cause that is something that I would say is my, uh, my weak side hundred percent. Cause as soon as musky opens, I kind of just switch gears and put everything else in their review mirror. But uh um, Yeah, I and mean,
3: that's okay too, because going balls to the wall is good too. You gotta learn sometime <laughs> and many others in a day,
0: you know. That's true. Well, I mean, I definitely hope one day to uh reach the success that you're at, Jeff, with the amount of lakes that you fish. Sounds like you fish a ton. I was uh really quick before we go, I I had another question, but it's gonna take way too long. One really quick No, go ahead.
3: Is, I
0: have a few minutes if you do. That's okay. Um, so with all the lakes that you said that you've caught muskies in, uh, I'm going to go with the short one first. Uh, this season, how many musky lakes do you think you fished throughout the uh, course since opener?
3: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, well, if you add in stuff like chains, you know, sure. which I do, yeah. I, you know, for the argument there, I will say like, you know, at like the Eagle river chain, I will consider those like individual lakes because they're named as such. Yeah. So I guess if you're talking about one, okay. I've caught fish out of, I think every lake on that chain um over the course of my i mean you were i caught my first muskie i caught it when i was 10 years old the 29 and a half incher off the point with the indian
1: by I, the I, I was just yep. gonna say i heard you talk about it in different podcasts our parents are right down the road from that <laughs>
3: oh that's so funny yeah so so just kind of uh, you know that's i can include those as individual lakes right so for the sake of that i uh i would say Oh, I don't know, thirty-five to forty. I would say that I probably went to, if you include stuff like that, where you hit in two, three, four in a day. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly upwards of thirty. Absolutely.
0: Perfect. So that, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah, like
3: yeah, you yeah, for sure, easily.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you definitely probably dialed in. You know, a few that you probably frequent, probably you know, a few times a week.
3: Um. Yes and no. It really depends what we're doing, but I mean, it was. I mean, like I guess I'd have to lay it all out and see because sometimes you can eliminate you can eliminate a group of lakes by figuring out that a certain type of lake isn't really going right now. Mm -hmm. Like if I go to Lake A and I know that lakes B and C are very similar. And like the days that are good on B and C are typically good on A. And I go there and I've got high confidence. I know the fish are there or I see them on my graph or they follow and lazy or whatever the case may be. I go out there, I get my finger on the pulse. My next switch is not going to be, another lake in that same category like i talked about earlier right i'm not going to another Mm -hmm. say i go to a green lake i'm not going to another green lake most likely um you know maybe maybe the the exception being like i feel like the bite on this i'll just use the green lake as an example because i'm using on this green bloomy lake was really good out here a couple days ago maybe that's still going on a green lake that's three times the size because you know maybe the effect of say a fall cool down hasn't been felt there to the extent it was felt on the much smaller lake it can be a much more immediate impact because the water temperature drops faster. So you got some you've got a cat you've got some caveats that way. Um, but again we have so many lakes to choose from that you have to be able to kind of make those quick connections and shortcuts because you can't possibly fish them all at once. And when you you know you're going to miss uh you know sometimes it is just hey lake A was going and lake B and C weren't you know what I mean even though they're very similar lakes or by you know any combination thereof. Um, but when you when you're able to to put those together, the big thing is, though, that you, when you've done the homework previously, there's no way for you to know and group those lakes together if you haven't been there in the first place. So that's where we're really exploring, you know, like, you know, you got all the lakes in St. Germain and Boulder Junction, Eagle River, Three Lakes, and you kind of you kind of got to figure out which ones all line up. And and even and if you don't go back, even if you go there and go, eh, I just didn't like how it fished. I just didn't, mm, you know, it was just wasn't for me. And I've gotten to the point now where I, I went to back to several lakes this year that I haven't been to in years. Uh, and did very well, and, but it was all, you know, I'm looking at the waypoints. I'm like, really? I haven't been here since 2017? Like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, and, and you went out there and, you know, oh, went three for five, I guess they're still here. Um, there's something <laughs> yeah. to be said for rotating your pressure uh, off a lake as a guide, especially because, you know, you mentioned the, the targeting. There's definitely lakes that I frequent, um, no doubt, um, but there's definitely, you want to have more of those at your disposal as a guide because otherwise you just burn out the fish. Um, yeah,
2: you don't want to go
3: to the same lakes over and over and over, um, because I mean, you will. There's only so many mouths there, and you will, no matter what you do, um, fall into your rut of fishing the way you fish, and you will, you know, they, they habituate, right? You know, so, so if you're only going there a couple times a year, the 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 odds of those fish being, I mean, it's not to say nobody else went out there and threw a medusa or something. Of course they did, or a tube or whatever. Um, but they didn't do it on the spots you did it. How you did it, when you did it, time your you know your, your mm-hmm. time utilization, spot management. They didn't do that the same. Um, and if you know those things and you know where they are and you're there at the right time, you can really take advantage. And then you've got more fresh fish um, yeah. because in northern Wisconsin, let's face it, our lakes are small. The populations aren't that high in a in a total number basis. It's not something like a Leech Lake, which is what 110,000 acres. Like how many how many muskies are in Leech Lake? It's a lot. You know, yeah, so if you got yeah. a five, right. 50, 30, 40, 50 muskies utilizing the same rock reef or the adjacent Cisco school or whatever, like that number in northern Wisconsin lakes, like four, you know, like there's like four, yeah. six, <laughs> six, you know, on this area. And if you fish that same spot every day, no, there's obviously that's a, a, a stark example, but but the right. big thing is right. there's only so many malls and you're gonna burn them up, so you really gotta have a lot of different cards up your sleeve uh, to get away from that pressure because that is one of the biggest things. Um, that makes systems tough is, is additional pressure.
0: I, yeah, I completely agree. I uh, I struggled with that a little bit last year and I tried to overcome that this year where uh, last year we had some, you know, banger days in August. Uh, we could kind of pick them apart in September and we kept hammering the absolute living shit out of those lakes. And by October 5th, all of our lakes just went flat dead and we couldn't even get a fish to go out of it. And, uh, and it's kind of like the same thing this year. I kind of went back to those lakes that I pressured, I'd say, you know, pretty heavily myself. And, uh, I just couldn't find those bites again. And then I just had to branch out. And that's why I was looking for new water is kind of finding almost not, you know, what's hot that day or what's hot that week, but I was starting to find, you know, places that are hot, you know, consistently where I can fall back. If I'm like truly not on a bite. All right. I'm going to go here. I'm going to fall back on this. And then if that's not working, then I'm gonna go really back to my roots and uh you know go to the home water, the uh, Eagle River chain but that's a great strategy.
3: So, yeah, that's a great know. but that's a great strategy. You you branch out when you feel it's appropriate and when you know it's gonna be tough, that's not the day to explore. You gotta go to where you know the fish are, where mm-hmm. you know what they want to eat, and just try to get one to go. That's just all there is to it. Um, you know, not every day is a great day to go to every lake, you know. There's and and the more you can, you know, the more you can start on third base. The better off you are, you know what I mean, be, with your yeah. knowledge base, whether it be from you know just from information you get elsewhere, from information you find in your own, whatever the case may be, as an angler. But trying to start in that third base um, is is the best way to do it for sure. And 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 then when you can't, you just have to go and, and kind of go back to the drawing board, right? Is that kind of a fair? Yeah, kind of no, hundred percent. Oh well, that didn't work. I'm going to go back and where I got more confidence. That's well, absolutely, yeah. But I the, definitely the big thing is don't get hung up on the same lakes right it's hard not to but you have to you have
2: to fight that
0: no i i tried to fight that urge this summer i uh i discovered a new lake that i didn't really ever hear anything about went there the first day uh saw a giant caught a upper 30s and then i'm like okay this is kind of cool we're seeing some fish and i proceeded to hit that lake i want to say only that lake six days in a row boated fish every single day, saw fish every single time. And then after that, I'm like, all right, I'm, I just told myself, I'm like, I'm not going to come back here for a month. Like, I can't <laughs> keep doing this. Like this, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're in Northern Wisconsin, it. this lake is not giant. Like these <laughs> I'm running out of fish here, but I'm still seeing them. I'm like, oh, I, I can't, I can't do it. I got to go somewhere else.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like taking off the training wheels, right? You get in those comfort bites like that, especially it sounds like you found something where the fish, might not be as educated and, and dumb muskies are harder to come by every year um they they mm-hmm. learn they know they they just get smarter they get tougher to catch the windows get tighter and in your in your seasonal your seasonal windows get tighter as well you know just the time frame of uh you know the bite after turnover the bite before turnover the bite at summer peak the bite you know all the stuff we talk about throughout the course of the year they just the more educated the fish are the harder they to catch eagle river chain is a great example i mean there's more yep. tournaments on that body of water than anything up north. There's more fishing pressure up there, probably, I would say. I mean, recreational yeah, tournaments. You got some really, in Muskie League, two, two nights a week from Muskie League, at least. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, those fish know what's up, but yet at the same time, in the right conditions, I'll still drive all the way over to Eagle River chain and put three fish in the boat when I feel, or, or you know, get chances at two or three fish. I don't mean every time, but I still have a high degree of confidence that I can go out there and catch fish, uh, especially when the conditions are what I feel are favorable for it. Uh, despite those fish getting PhDs, every single one of them. So you know, it's just you just you just gotta learn to adapt and overcome, and that's what makes a good musky fisherman anywhere. But especially those high pressure situations and high high pressure waters, you know your your Pewaukee's, your Eagle River chains, your you know whatever the you know Madison mm-hmm. chain, whatever the case may be, it just makes you a better angler. And I'm really I I really do believe that if you can do it. You know, if you can catch muskies or or a lot of the other things here, quite frankly, if you can do well on walleyes or muskies or steelhead or ducks in Wisconsin, you can do it just about anywhere because there's a lot of really talented anglers in our state and there's a lot of guys that do it, more so I would say per capita or on average than others. And uh, you're always working for it. There's not a lot of givens here. You don't get too many, you know what I mean? There's not a lot of gimmies. Yeah,
0: No, Agreed. not many handouts. Every once in a while you get, you know, the uh the like
3: until that next bait comes out you know what i mean if you could come out with something that worked as well as a double 10 the first time it was ever thrown on <laughs> lake, and you know what will that next lure be who knows will there ever be another lure that really truly breaks it i don't know i don't know that there will be just because it's of gonna... how fast things travel too you know
1: it's gonna be a 12 tail medusa
3: right and you know, maybe <laughs> right yeah exactly who knows but the thing is is like that whole category already existed, you know. Like, know. the guy kind of know, you know.
1: Hundred percent. The
3: whole—I know you're joking, but I just—I it's—you just, <laughs> rack your brain when you're out there and you're like, "God, what'll get these things to go?" And
1: there's some other great, being you know, the beaver's
3: a good one. That's a great bait. I've moved a lot of fish on Wisconsin. I've had one forever ago, and but just you know, it just and there's time and a place, you know. But it's just—I don't know what will the next category be. That's just one that, or the grenade for that matter. I guess you got something that's completely different and has a great time and a place allows you to present in a way that doesn't, but it's just nothing truly categorical categorically new has come out. Um, And I don't know if, and when that will happen, but. I wish it would.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be really curious. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of what bait manufacturers do over the next few years. Because I couldn't agree more. It's like, what, what else is there that a muskie would where want? Where do
3: we eat, go from here? Know? Yeah, where do we go from here?
1: <laughs> like, we got ten-foot rods. We got these insanely high-powered reels now. I mean, you got baits ranging up to ridiculous size. I mean, it just feels like the spectrum is pretty well covered so but who knows that's why things get invented all the time you know new stuff yeah is...
3: absolutely and it, you know and it's just it's kind of cool to see musky fishing become musky fishing again in a way though mm-hmm. you know and the, the way that it's you know the advantage i mean how many times you cast that fish or you're there and you know that they're there they just don't want to eat i mean they do especially when they get pressure they just just not doing that today whereas if that fish had never seen a bait, you'd have caught it every you know nine out of right. ten times in conditions. Right.
1: like so that's why i like
3: it if it were easy if it were easy it wouldn't be any
1: fun <laughs> It's good job security yeah. for you and Gus when it stays tough. Yeah, right? yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll
0: take tough conditions any day. I tell Max that every time in the tournament. I love tough conditions. Give me that I one to two fish.
2: Teeth. Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't want it where everybody with a bucktail's nailing three fish. I would rather have it be tough where every you know what I mean.
0: Yep, yeah, oh. I
3: agree. Yep. I mean, for a tournament, you know, with clients and stuff, I guess. Oh hell no. Then we'll take it. Yeah, you want one that suicides <laughs> on a bait? Well, yeah, love that.
0: <laughs> The guy's never figure eight in his life and gets him in the figure eight that's the best yeah right
3: oh gosh yeah the nice nice big dummy comes in and inhales it with it's a, lineup. <laughs> <laughs> but in a tournament i don't want that guy to catch a fish you know? right oh, right
1: no 100 percent. uh all right well we're we're gonna let you get to bed here i know you got an early Appreciate morning it. too yeah, so good night guys thank uh, you yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. We uh we were very we we're very much looking forward to this interview. Um before you sign off though, do you want to just give a quick kind of rundown on how um, a people can reach you for guiding for next year and then two just kind of maybe um a quick rundown on how to get signed up for the Muskie Academy if we got any new, you know, potential interested parties here after listening to this interview?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, muskie Academy super easy. You can go to muskie with a y, muskieacademy.com. Click and roll now, it takes about 60 seconds and you're in, basically you get a prompt in the email, you just create your account, just the username and password takes not even 60 seconds. You'll be in, you can access all the videos immediately, 24 seven, you can run it through the app there, you can download it offline, you can have all that stuff at your fingertips, in service, out of service, no matter what, you've got that all right there, super easy. If you have any questions on it, you can certainly find me or text me or message me on Facebook if you have any questions, either at the Muskie Academy account, on Instagram or Facebook, or you can uh, find me on any of my um, social media pages, Jeff Vandermortal or Jeff Vandermortal WDH Guide Service on Facebook or cell phone 920 639 6286. My website is Wisconsin Musky with a Y Fishing It is grossly out of date. I don't think I've updated it in like seven or eight years. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh but my duck hunting website is current uh if that makes anybody feel better but i i uh the website is one thing i should get that this winter here but uh you can i'm pretty easy to find and i'm always happy to answer any questions people have so
0: sweet Great. awesome thank you for your time tonight jeff uh good luck on the rest of the season duck hunting and if, uh, if we, you know, don't get you back on the podcast here before, you know, good luck in the ice season too. I know we'll definitely be in touch through, you know, muskies Academy and stuff like that. And definitely going to be looking to get you back on the podcast, you know, maybe in the winter or something or a time when you, uh, have a little more, a little more time on your hands, you know?
3: Yeah, all good, man. I appreciate you guys putting up with me. I get, get talking about muskies. I always get so excited, and I got a lot to say about it. So I, I, every time sometimes I, it it. Off, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'd, I'd be happy to come back anytime. I'm sure we'll make yeah. that happen. Thank you,
1: Jeff. I feel like, you, I feel like, feel like we could have gone for hours tonight, so appreciate yeah, yeah it.
3: man. Now I'm all fired up about muskies, and I got to switch back to duck brain now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, take care. We'll talk soon. Yes, take care, guys. Thanks again. Take care. Right. Thanks. See yeah. ya. Thanks.
0: All right. We can't thank JVR enough for coming on the podcast. That was an amazing interview. I hope everybody out there listening really enjoyed that one. Uh, We're for sure going to be reaching out to JVR this winter or, you know, sometime hopefully when he's got a little extra time on his hands, since he is a busy man to get back on the podcast and maybe do a deeper dive into a specific topic. Um, If any of the listeners out there, no jvr or also fish this area of uh, northern wisconsin have very specific topics they'd like to hear about you know we'd be all ears if you want to message us on the muskies on tap instagram and uh we'll we'll take some notes and kind of prep for the uh for the winter season but uh how are, how are you guys doing after that interview i know i know i got graced with some
1: some pretty cool knowledge there yeah no i'm i'm riding high uh you know like i i've been talking with you guys i mean jvr is a guy that we've um listened to on a lot of other podcasts and obviously you know been in tune with a lot of the Muskie academy stuff so pretty cool to get the opportunity uh very nice of him to come on and, and chat with us us guys uh this evening um in his busy schedule so yeah really enjoyed it brian what uh what'd you learn from the interview tonight
2: yeah, I finally got some uh some critical answers to what's really been eating me alive with these fish not eating suckers. Uh JBR gave us a great depth of knowledge on that and uh and and gave us a little little pointer into maybe trying out some some trout somehow if we can get our hands on them or somehow netting slash catching slash you know getting our hands on these Cisco if you're gonna be fishing bodies of water where you know, there's a, there's an abundant Cisco population this fall. So yeah, excited to maybe try that one more time this year and see where it gets us.
0: Yeah, I agree there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully get my hands on something like that to tackle the Cisco spawn time. Cause I know last year, last year we had a little bit of a difficulty on getting them to eat suckers. So, uh, stay tuned on how we do there. You know, this is just now the time of year it's it's uh, it's end of October. Uh, temps are about to fall off a cliff here. We're getting a whole bunch of rain uh, prior and during when this podcast drops up here in the Eagle River area. And then it's going to take a little dive off a cliff, and we're going to get lows in the 20s and highs in the 30s and potential snow this weekend. And uh, it's going to scare some people, but... Uh, English I'm uh, weird, I'm salivating right? at that because this is I, I want to start. I, I've been like in between uninsulated and insulated bibs and you know winter rain gear and stuff like that. And you know I just want to go right into it. You know I know that's weird to say, like I, I'd, I'd, you know, want to you know wish time away. I never want to wish time away, but you know I'm I'm excited for this, and uh, this is really going to you know, going back to that turnover talk, which I think JVR gave a good insight in there. And it's definitely something to do with staying flexible, but like the lakes that are in limbo, I've unfortunately been on quite a few of them during the limbo. And some I realized immediately and I got off and thankfully I did. And others, I didn't exactly figure it out. And just a lot of a lot of dumb fish that just were not eating, you know, it was just more of, uh, you know, not eating trolling, not eating suckers, not eating casting, not eating jigging. I was kind of bringing out the whole, just, you know, repertoire gauntlet. that I can <laughs> offer to these the fish, you know, throwing six inch baits, throwing 20 inch baits, you know, I'm, I'm throwing everything I can at these things just to get some sort of strike out of them and uh i think that post new moon you know a lot of fish got their got their uh, bellies filled and they became a little grumpy um i was able to boat a few when necessary uh tried a little bit more exploring ish um i know in the interview i kind of said something that i haven't exactly fully uh explored now i'm more or less just going to the places that i explored to this summer that maybe i fished once maybe twice or maybe are just new to me this year and I want to learn every uh, seasonal pattern there. But uh, the, this this weather, um, the rain will kind of hold off on some of those big lakes fully turning over. But that cold snap is going to do it. Uh, we got some low wind this week during the rain. And then we're going to get some uh, ebb and flows of uh, of wind. It looks like the next week when it's really cold it's going to get really windy and the feels like on oh man tuesday the 31st the highest the feels like it's to is 21 the high that day is 31 the wind that's my is my favorite 10 to 15 from the northwest so that's my favorite that's brian's favorite uh, you already know that's my favorite and uh probably <laughs> probably max's favorite too not <laughs> my, my favorite <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be, uh, how much I'll be dragging dad out there on
1: those days. But uh, well, it sounds it sounds like you got a few uh, guide trips booked here in November, but you still got a few days that are open if anyone wants to go crazy and get out there with you. Yeah, I got some nuts giving me some messages the, uh,
0: the past week asking for November dates. And uh, they've been filling up some of the prime dates that are, you know, year in, year out. Uh, pretty much good for, uh, good for some bites and some big bites. And, uh, I'm looking, really looking forward to those and definitely still have a couple openings yet. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's going to get real good. I think the sucker bites going to be good on those lakes where they love suckers. I think the trolling bite is, uh, starting to pick up and starting to get some, uh, trolling hits and catches and casting has been here and there. It's more or less just bringing them to the boat. And, uh, I just, just today got out some, uh, some bondies and tubes and all that stuff to try a little jigging and, uh, saw a few come up on live scope, take a look at it and, uh, uh, no bites, but I didn't give it much more than, you know, 40 or so minutes, maybe a half hour. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that more. And I can't wait for the feeling of that big old thump in the rod, when you're just, uh, sitting there mindlessly going up and down and, uh, all of a sudden it feels like the rod's getting taken out of your hands. So going to be looking forward to that, hoping to, uh, kind of add that in with some of the clients this fall, maybe if they have, or haven't done it, I think it's just something really unique and, uh, something that people got to learn. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what we got looking forward to coming up. Fish are on cribs uh, rocks. I think I've been saying that for the past few weeks, it's still kind of holding true. There were some fish in the weeds, but, uh, they're, they're mainly holding off, off those breaks. Uh, you know, a couple fish in mud flats with cribs, a couple fish on the break lines with cribs and rock and, and, uh, steep and deep. That's the name of the game. Hold it true to your spot, find the bait, go back and forth. Don't be afraid to fish spots, two, three, four, five six times in a row, you know, or at least through the course of the day. If the bait's there, the, the muskies
1: are there as well. Yeah, good advice. We'll uh, we'll definitely have to dive in with maybe some more late fall fishing tactics here over the next, you know, week or so on the podcast, um, guest dependent. But uh, moving on to some more <clears throat> also additional pressing matters, uh, two big things. Uh, first, we did get a lot of feedback on Brian's Gene sleeping take from mm. last weekend. Uh, Brian, with this new data that's now come out with mm, about a hundred percent of people saying that you're an absolute psycho for saying that, do you want to reposition your take at all? or Are you going to plant your
2: flag as the resident gene sleeper of the podcast? Well, because they're listening to you, they're thinking that once we get off this pod, I'm going to hop into a pair of Wranglers and ball up in bed. That's not what I said. <laughs> i said when you're when you're maybe under the influence of a little bit of beers and you're sitting on the couch when you get home from the bar and you fall asleep when you wake up you feel good and i think over the course of the week and some dms i might have convinced uh shout out poorly made memes that uh you know he might be on my side with this one it's just, there's it's just no way what <laughs> what, did um, he, what did he say to you what what on earth <laughs> There's no way. I gotta, I gotta pull it up again, but it it looks like I need some leverage. While he's,
1: while he's doing that, can I just read one of my favorite DMs from the week that we got from uh, from Dwayne Wedler Jr.? He said, uh, "Slept in jeans last night. What kind of psychopath thinks that's a good night's sleep?" (laughs) (laughs) No way. Uh, so it sounded like Dwayne had a pretty good night i was loving the uh few different people that were shooting in some dms and and pictures from having some beers out of their muskies on tap glass that was that was cool to see uh
2: looked like everyone was drinking some good beers this weekend yeah it was cool to see and like we're, we're getting these orders but it's even more like rewarding for us to see people posting them on their instagram and showing up they're really enjoying them so awesome stuff
0: yeah, appreciate appreciate all the orders uh in and still coming in. Um I'm getting them out as fast as possible. I'm about to get a whole bunch of uh uh packages so as soon as they come in I can I can get the get the hoodies and merch out the next day. But uh one thing I was just going to quick add. I don't know if you touched on this DM the one, the one guy that said slept in jeans then caught a 45 in vermilion. <laughs> <laughs> remember that one? that's
2: my guy right there so it does work not only is it comfortable but it brings you good luck everybody sent us a dm of you sleeping in jeans this weekend no 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 no, 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 no. no, 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 no.
0: Uh, brian one thing i i don't know if I, I went over this at all but that gene night when you talked about that which night was that was that before any of the times you whacked and stacked some fish or, or how did that work out
2: uh Pretty sure that was, uh, pretty sure that was Friday night, in which case I did not catch one on Saturday. Ooh. I never said it was a good luck charm, but for that one DMer, it was. No, you just said it was the way to get the best night's sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That was not any of my words either. (laughs) We
0: got words twisted. It's late.
2: (laughs) The boys are getting, getting each other right
1: now, and, uh. We'll move next, on from next, it.
2: Next musky bender of a full denim fit. There you go. Maybe maybe uh,
1: if anyone from Sims is listening to this, maybe make a full yeah. Canadian tuxedo like rain, rain suit. suit. Yep. Not act, not made out of actual denim, but just gives the waterproof
2: appearance. denim. Yeah. Yep.
1: Would I nice. would love some waterproof denim. I mean, I would definitely rock that. That would be a pretty sick fit. That would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Or Absolutely
0: just go, disgusting. or just go denim, <laughs> waterproof, and then more denim. You know, if the top yeah. layer of denim gets, I mean, you wet, you, you, you weigh would have the waterproof pounds by the end. That's of the that's day. all right. But then on the inside, you also get that great gravelly feel of jeans on your body. Oh, oh yeah, that's just I'm the best. A, just, just nothing
1: better. Uh, that's
0: my favorite right there. <laughs> that's,
1: that's all our favorites. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Once you guys get that those sweatshirts. Uh, send some send some pictures in if you're still able to wear them out on the water i don't know how many more days we will be left with your last layer being our muskies on tap sweatshirt. but um but yeah we'll uh you know we'll make sure to repost those and get them out because it's always good to see see some people repping the brand uh it's awesome
0: yeah for sure and uh for those that uh, don't know where you can find that you can find that on my guide service page to order the merch and that is www.com Sugsfishing.com, S U G S fishing. And you can also get in touch directly with me if you want to uh, book a trip for late October, early to mid November, chasing some giant muskies. Reach me at 920 264 3816. Love to share the boat with you. Uh, drop as many knowledge bombs as I can to yourself. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, looking forward to hopefully putting some giants in the bag this fall. So, all right. I think, uh, I think that does it for tonight's podcast. And, uh, if you guys don't have anything else to add here at the end, Brian, what do you got for the folks? They're dying
2: to know. righty, everybody. Thank you for listening today. What an interview from JVR. Incredible stuff. An incredible fisherman, but maybe even a better dude. Can't wait to have him on again. So much more to untap there. Stay warm these coming weeks, guys. The season's closing quick, but there's still great time to catch that giant fall monster. And if you're going to be trying to catch any of these brown trout to use as bait, stay away from the fly, fisherman. Peace. Oh.
0: peace peace